All right, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the Chateau de Burpee in sunny Scotland. Well, sunny's probably a too extravagant a word because the weather is absolutely chronic in this country right now. How how is the weather over in the east coast, Max? It's, it's it has its chronic moments. I just did a training session in the rain, um, and uh, we got a pretty intense winter to look forward to. I'm told. But um, the last two weeks have been pretty beautiful. It was very humid over the summer. Horrible. Uh, but the humidity has lifted and we've got some nice crisp days, seeing the, the full foliage starting to come out. So I can't complain. So how have you adapted from West Coast to East Coast? Yeah, it's been a process for sure. Um, I've, I've, I've loved the, the area we're in. I love the, um, the more rural feel to where we're living right now. I mean, we basically live in a forest. Uh, you'll see on some of my videos, just shrouded in trees. I really like that. I always thought I was a country country boy at heart, but I never I never put it into practice. And uh, so far, I'm loving it. If anything, I want to be more remote, more rural. Um, yeah. But my burpee practice really took a hit, a big hit when we moved here, and I'm still kind of reeling from from it actually. Um, yeah. So on the training front, it's been a very tricky transition. I'm still yeah. working through that right now. Yeah, okay, that, that's something, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's something I would like to touch upon at some point. How, how, how are the people in regards to East Coast, West Coast, do you notice a difference? In the... Very friendly here, I would say. I'm not sure if that's true of the East Coast in general, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're in New York or Boston, it's going to be different, but here, the, the people are extremely friendly, um, more so, I would say, than in California, though they were also way more friendly there than, say, in London. I, I'm always surprised when we go back to England uh, that people aren't smiling and sincerely wishing me a good day and things like this because that is the norm over here and I would say it's even more it's even more that way people are friendly encouraging um, you stop them and ask for directions they'll do everything they can possibly do to help you um, and I think the English accent gets you further on the east coast than on the west coast so uh, I think people have taken pity on this helpless Englishman um, you know, walking around the playground with his child, trying to find a friend for her. And so people have been very, very forthcoming and friendly. And we've been able to make some friends kind of, you know, from day one. So it's, it's been really nice on that front. And have you, like, I know you completed your PhD, but have you had the results back? No, no. So I am, um, I haven't strictly completed. I've submitted the dissertation itself. Um but there'll be then, um, the final thing I need to do is a, a, a defense, which is like a two or three hour grilling from a group of professors. Um, and that's lined up to happen first week of December. So I'm preparing for that right now. I'm um, sending out articles to academic journals, applying for academic jobs, uh, doing a bit of teaching, but uh, looming over me is this big two, two or three hour grilling from a room full of my kind of intellectual heroes who I've been working with for many years. And uh, I'm hoping they'll go very hard because they say that the harder they go, the more they respect your work. If they think you're not up to that much, they'll give you easy questions. But if they think you're one of them, they go hard. So I'm really hoping we're going to have a very intense discussion in December. Please tell me that you are not going to try and get them to do a 20-minute Buffy session. <laughs> You know, it's one of the final frontiers. Um, the only population in my life that I haven't enthusiastically shared the busy day program <laughs> with is that small group of professors. Maybe when I graduate, 
I'll tell them all about it. One of them is a busy dad as well with two young babies. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you've got previous, Max, so I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll take on board what you just said there, because I know that sometimes you can't deny your true nature, which is to sell the puppy. <laughs> so, so obviously, I, I never introduced Max at the start of the, the podcast, because like, we all know who Max is, particularly the listeners who are familiar with the puppies field. However, I would like to point out that Max and myself are both wearing our busy dad training t-shirts so for any youtube viewers they'll get a good glance at max who spent the last five minutes getting his camera in the, the perfect position so that he could advertise <laughs> his merchandise <laughs> but do you know what max i'm not going to lie i've had this on two days in a row fantastic that's what i like to hear my friend yeah and i'll wear it tomorrow at gym so i'm gonna go for three days in a row with the same t-shirt on because that's how the busy dads truly roll absolutely that's one of the things about being a busy dad is that you don't change your clothes that often no no, no absolutely i've trained with with six stains on my t-shirt from you know young children it's uh, so so max like to go back and what you said earlier about your training your puppy training has taken a hit. And I've got an idea why it's taken a hit. And I, I, I intended to make a video responding to something that you had said in one of your own videos. But can you tell us like what has actually happened in the last couple of months or weeks, which has caused a downgrade in your puppy performance? Yeah, absolutely. Um so over the summer, I had um, <clears throat> a lot of things changed. We were in, uh, we stayed in something like eight different places over the summer. We were traveling all around the world, different time zones. You know, I'm not eating the usual diet that I would eat. And yet throughout that process, the training was pretty solid. Um, I had one week in particular where I got way over my 300 mark for my six counts twice, which is very rare for me. Um, and so things felt like they were on a very good trajectory. Then I had a couple of workouts where I would start falling below where I was looking to get to. And initially, I thought they were kind of freak workouts. Um, but I started to feel like I was in a kind of burpee bear market after a while because <laughs> um, I would I would set myself lower lower targets and every time consistently fail to meet these targets, which two weeks before had been easy. Um, so I slipped from the 300s down through the 290s and then I slipped into the 280s. And then when we got to um, got to New Hampshire, I was really excited to just regroup. So I took a week off the channel. I did some very light workouts um, to just try and let my body adjust to the new time zone. Um, I loaded back up on creatine, something that I hadn't been taking over the summer that I usually supplement with. Yeah. I took the whole weekend. I took, in fact, I took three rest days. Really excited about this first busy dad workout video in New Hampshire. And I, I couldn't scrape 270. Um, so I was I was really bewildered because it was quite a precipitous decline. And I felt like I'd done, you know, I'd taken it seriously. I'd done a lot of the preparation I needed to get the right session. And um, yeah, it was very, very demoralizing, I think, to be so far. You know, if you think that it, earlier in the summer, I had graduation in my sights. I felt like I could push into 310, 315 territory with my six counts. Um, and this is something I, you know, I train year round for. And all of a sudden, I'm barely scraping. In fact, I'm not even able to scrape the level four. This is the, the brown T-shirt symbolizing level four. 
and I didn't really have the right to wear that T-shirt, which had never happened in the history of the channel. Um, so I, I found myself at the kind of lowest there by being training-wise uh, for three years. And so, yeah, I did a lot of soul-searching, um, and I'm still kind of trying to think about why that is, and I'm still building things back up, and it's a slow process. I think it's going in the right direction. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about what was happening there, because it's never happened to me before. Uh, to me, it, the answer seems fairly obvious, and, and this is just my take on it, right? So you have just completed a PhD, okay? And a PhD is, is this is, is next level, okay? It's not like a, a bachelor's or a, a HND at a local college. It's, it's, the, it's the pinnacle of a university education. And you are also trying to factor in that you are a father who has a very young child, which can be demanding as well. And you also had to move across country. And moving house is, I think there's a, there's a table of stressful events that you go through in your life. And I think like death is at the top, a grieving. And I think that moving house is not far off. So I would assume, looking from the outside in, that there's a, a high degree of cumulative stress that's taking place that you are unaware of because you are being consumed by these events. And it's not a like an instantaneous stress response. It's something that's building up in your system slowly. Yeah, chronic. To me, that would probably be the root of the degradation in performance. I mean, uh, what do you think of that? It's fascinating, yeah. It, I think it's not really something I thought about, but I, I think that it's so easy to forget that stress is a factor in training. You can think, I'm sleeping right, I'm eating right, you know, I'm hydrating, my programming's good. What, it, what else is left for me to do? And then there's this nebulous concept of stress. It's hard to know how stressed you are. Um, but you're right. I guess it had been building up. I mean, I have kind of daily practices that I try and engage with to, to kind of dissipate stress as it builds, like breathing, um, cold water every morning. Um, but I guess there's, you're right, there's this kind of deep level stress that you can't necessarily target with those quite superficial intervention yeah. yeah that's really interesting yeah yeah i mean do you i would also factor in i mean is this something that you've ever thought of that you are the leader of the busy dad training program you are at the the, the, the peak of the busy dad training system and you have that added stress of having to perform yeah and that means that every single session you do have to go balls to the wall. Yeah. However, that ultimately is not the approach mm -hmm. that should be taken right. with long term in mind. Yeah. And it looks like you have retreated to a sub maximal approach. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is something that you might have to bring into the Busy Dad program? Yeah, I, I've been thinking, I've been doing some soul searching about it. What you just said had never occurred to me that 
the dynamic that was driving me to just go balls to the wall every session, um, it was knowing that there's this viewership and there are these people who I, I want to inspire. Um, I mean, I'm told that that's kind of my training personality. And we've talked about it before, and we talk about it in the book, how my, my brother um, introduced me to training. But nowadays, he refuses to train with me because, and, and, and in fact, quite soon in the training journey, he refused to train with me because I would always push to go more intense. So I think a lot of it is my training personality. Yeah. Um, but probably then, um, you know, exacerbated by the, the that dynamic with the channel. But I think you are right that long-term, it's probably not the best strategy. And in fact, early in the Busy Dad program, in the Frequently Asked Questions, I, I, I recommended to people that two of their sessions per week be kind of experimental, playful, trying out new tricks, like working on your two-minute sprints, say, but then taking long rest periods, and only two of them be all out as many reps as possible sets. And that's definitely got lost. I've definitely not been... Um, embodying that approach in my in my videos um so it is something i'm thinking about it, it's then a question of you don't want to lose the intensity from your sessions you know you don't. yeah so so then i start wanting maybe quite a specific program that's going to give me targets i like having targets for a workout i like i hate going into a workout not knowing what i'm trying to achieve yeah for me, for me saying oh just freestyle it I might even give up on the workout. That 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 takes the wind out of my sails. So I need to have targets, but then there's a question of how do you set targets that aren't going to push you to the max every session? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that the busy dad training program is your baby, and you are very protective of the program, particularly the principles that underpin the program. However, do you think sometimes that could be to the detriment of the program because it means that it's going to remain fairly rigid? And when you look at successful programs, they actually constantly evolve? Um, I suppose I have my own experience to go on. Yeah. And what I've found is that the further I depart, from this fundamental form of training, um, the more I lose some of the fitness that I've built, the more my physique starts to drift away from where it is at its best. And the closer I cling to that set of principles, the better things go for me physically. Um, so for example, when I graduated the Busy Dad program, I always regret, uh, I started putting on a weighted vest. I wanted to introduce some new parameters and training with the vest, thinking, oh, this is going to boost my fitness even further. And the next time I tried just weightless burpees, they were way, way down on what they'd been. And I had a mass building experiment where I was working in some time on attention work, some, some dumbbells and barbells. And I found that quite an enjoyable training program. But again, I came out of it. I picked up quite a bit of extra weight. That didn't translate into, you know, um, improve fitness. Yeah. And I felt like I was just heavy and walking around. Whereas when I'm close to the standard original busy dev form of training, walking around with a heart rate in the low 40s, super lean, just feeling energetic, never tired, always bouncing off the walls. <laughs> it it works. And it works for so many people. And so um for me, I'm protective of it because I fear that you step too far away from it and you've lost that identity of being yeah. a bad burpee practitioner. 
Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a tough one to straddle because, I mean, speaking from my own viewpoint, I like variety. And yep. I can, like, that's where the, the busy dad falls short in that respect because the variety is quite limited. It's just down to two moves. But yep. at the same time, I absolutely understand the idea that you need to keep the identity of the programme, which is very Spartan. Yes. It's very minimalistic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to sort of bridge the gap. But what Probably, I, well, sorry. Sorry, I, I just wanted to jump in. Um, on the variety front, if people, I mean, I found that a lot of people have this worry before they try the program. Yeah. And then they get sucked in and they get addicted and they forget about this worry about variety. But I also want to say that the Busy Dad program is very much something you can implement within the context of a broader training approach if you want to. Yeah. You have a running practice. You could run that concurrently with the busy. Dad yeah. Program. You could run a weightlifting practice concurrently, and so there are other ways of getting a variety while keeping the integrity of the busy dad program as that kind of kernel of burpee training. Yeah, I mean, when like for example, if I'm going to go through a fat loss phase in my training and I'm incorporating weights, then to me the busy dad training system would be a perfect fit because it calls for three or four high intensity training sessions which can be which can run concurrently with a weightlifting program it, it, it sort of merges well because I, I i personally think that the the longer endurance sessions are not a good fit with weightlifting yes so the busy dad system is a perfect fit in that respect but at the same time i like a variety of boppies so I don't like to just do six counts on Navy SEALs. I like to do kickouts. I like to do two or three pumps and just mix it up because my personality is it responds to variety because I get bored quickly. Whereas some people, they like the basics. They do not deviate from the normal. But I like yourself because you're quite rigid. Yeah, yeah. And your approach. Well, I think this kind of devotional mindset. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I like yeah. the idea of finding one thing and devoting myself to it forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, like there was something that you mentioned in a video which was response to one that I made, and you spoke about having a like almost a Puritan approach to Buppies. So, <laughs> how would that run? How could you implement that with another training system if you think that there has to be a degree of purity with this exercise? Well, I guess what I'm thinking is um, so the first thing I want to put out there is you know, cards on the table. I have been doing nothing but the Busy Dev program and 10 pull ups per day, um, which to be honest, over the summer I wasn't even able to sustain the pull up practice. I've been doing nothing but that for three and a half years. Um, and for me, it's enough. And if people think they need to do more to get a good physique, I think they're wrong. Um, but I also think that um, <clears throat> you can be a burpee practitioner and a runner. You can be a burpee practitioner and a lifter. You can, you can integrate those identities. But what I don't want you to do is start diluting the burpee practice itself. So if you keep the practice built around the principles of minimalism, busy dead program, really kind of treating these movements as sacred, really studying them, then I think if you want to do stuff outside of your burpee time, that's fine. That, that to me, is not diluting the program. Um, I guess in that video, though, I wanted to 
put put out the message to people that you don't have to do that as a condition of getting into really amazing shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's interesting that you bring up the the ten dead hang chin ups. Mm-hmm. Why only ten, Max? I, when my daughter was born, um, I wanted to just push to the limit of what I could do and still get a, still get a result. I wanted to shrink training down to the smallest it could possibly be to still be beneficial to me. Um, and in the in the first couple of months when I'm just wiped out and exhausted, um, where every second kind of counts, 10 pull-ups was about all I could manage anyway. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I share any of what I do is because over those months, instead of me going to seed, I got into the best shape of my life. And I'm not sure why, but uh, I guess since I've reflected on it, I've thought, if you go to the gym and you do 10 perfect sets, sorry, seven, seven perfect sets of 10 pull-ups, that's a pretty good workout. And if that's the only workout that you do for your for your back and your biceps in a given week, that's still not, the, that's a decent-ish amount of training for me. If you intersperse that over every day, I found that you build up the same volume. You're really, really well rested before every set. And so the reps are really as good as they can be. I mean, I really, really live in that rep. I really study it. It's kind of like a time under tension. Um, And so I found that I can keep the quality really high. It takes me 60 seconds a day. And um, the guns are blazing year round. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking at this point, like, so this... This is where, like, I get confused, right? Like, see the buppies. The buppies are intense. Yeah. Like, particularly busy dad, you, you want to get up those levels, mm-hmm. so you are forcing the body to endure a stimulus of which it then has to adapt. Yeah. So that makes sense. But yeah. when you're doing ten dead hang chin ups a day. Your body's going to adapt to that relatively quickly, and no amount of volume sparsed over the week is going to have an impact because ten initially will be demanding, but it's then going to venture into the area of becoming almost therapeutic. Yes, and and that's a big part of what it's there for. Yeah, I don't consider myself a pull-up practitioner. If I did, <laughs> you'd see a busy dad program built all around pull-up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's true. I would. I, would... <laughs> I just never. It's the the free, I pull up. Pull I've up got Bobby practitioner yeah, on the yeah, yeah. Pull up You you could very well take the principles of the busy dead program and apply it to pull ups. Yes, yes. You're running. You totally could. Yes, that, yes. That's a great physical endeavor, especially if you're training calisthenics. Um, a big part of why I'm doing it is to, um is to stay safe in the burpees. A friend of mine does burpees and he, he did the Busy Dev program for two years. Yeah. He never did pull-ups and um, he got an injury where his his shoulder just kind of came out of joint completely. He was playing football when it happened. But it's because the back wasn't strong enough. I, I don't, It's mainly an imbalance thing. But I also found over the summer, there's a reason that I'm wearing a T-shirt for every workout over the summer, which is that, and today, today's workout was the first one where I decided to, to to flaunt the physique again and go topless. My physique really suffered from taking from cutting the pull-ups over the summer. Yeah, um, I, I was really surprised at how much it suffered. Yeah. And so, I don't know. 
I don't know what kind of stimulus I'm getting, but what I do know is when I pull it, um, a lot of my definition in my upper body really, really starts to fade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, like when we speak about physique, the puppies are only they're only targeting like three muscle groups, and they're the only ones that are being put under a degree of stimulus. The legs and the back are being ignored ultimately, which is two thirds of the musculature in the body. So, so I do see I, why. I'm not sure if I can agree with that. Well, um, I mean, I, I think it's from. When I'm doing a six-count session, the reason I want to puke is the feeling in my legs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you, you've got to be careful there. I think that you might be slightly overstating that. Yeah, but you're, you're not going to build, like, no. admirable legs doing boppies. Like, that's that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, my legs look pretty much the way they did when I was squatting double my body weight. I think there's a genetic reason why my legs don't grow that much. <laughs> but, um, um, I haven't found that they've shrunk considerably since I started therapy training. And but, I don't do anything else. But that's the thing, Max. That's you. That's someone who had a powerlifting background who built that muscle. What about the, the man who has no weightlifting experience whatsoever? So do you think if a movement is sufficient to keep muscle, yes. it would also be sufficient to build it? Mm, I think it will be sufficient to maintain it, but I don't think it's going to build anymore. I mean, it, the way you maintain muscle is by stimulating it. Yeah, 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 and yeah. So it, 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 I must be getting a stimulus if, if, if the muscle's not just atrophying. And so then if yeah. I didn't have that muscle going in, I would think that I would be able to build some muscle at least from, from just straight burpees in the legs. But it's, it's hard to try and understand the degree of stimulus you would get from a buppy in the lower body because the tension's lost for a good duration of the, the movement. Well, I guess I, I I have a... Maybe this is why. This is why I've been getting... So for me, it's not. I put out a video recently on form cues where I talked about how, um, especially when I'm um, far into the workout and my back is... is I'm worried that my back is going to slouch. Yeah. My number one form cue is to engage the quads and the glutes in the push-up part of the movement. That keeps me yeah. in the plank position. And what yeah. I found is that six counts are harder on the legs than four counts. Why would that yeah. be? Answer is because I'm keeping the legs under tension for the entirety of the push-up. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought that four counts were harder on the legs. That, that's what I felt. Just because you're spending more time on the legs because that transition from yeah 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 yeah, yeah but top for me, of the plank they standing up i think for me that be going through the plank position with the push-up and forcing myself to keep my quads and my glutes engaged yeah. when i'm tired that's harder than just squatting up and squatting down um and yeah. so then you put those two together and i was really surprised to feel i wanted to give my legs some love and just do four counts for a week and when i went back to six counts they felt harder on the legs for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I definitely found that four counts were harder than the legs. But ultimately, I think it comes down to your interpretation of the boppy. We all have a different boppy. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no... There is, there is a standard, but it's your standard. Mm -hmm. Like, you create your own standard. 
And I think that sometimes this is where it, it can go into a grey area that we think that we need to have something that we're all doing that's rigid, whereas the burpee is something that we that is born out of our identity. Mm. Like your personality type can almost dictate the style of burpee that you perform. I like to be very methodical with my burpees and a lot slower with my burpees. Whereas you, you look like you are, as we say in Scotland, giving it 90 rapid, which is just at a blistering pace. So I think that although you will get that leg activation, someone may do a, do a burpee completely differently than what you do, but they're still adhering to the busy dad training principles. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, how much room for interpretation there is in, yeah. in what seems like such a simple and basic movement? Absolutely. So, why, like, why did you only include two burpees in the busy dad training program? Um. Well, as as I said, I have these minimalist tendencies. Um, I really love powerlifting for that reason. Um, and so. In the beginning, you know, watching Iron Wolf videos, that's how we all started. That's certainly how I did. Um, I was doing most of the variations he was doing in the 20-minute Busy Dad format. I was training my five count, five pumps. I was training my, um, you know, the three pumps, bodybuilders, uh, until I fucked up my toe. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty hilarious set of injuries I've had from burpees. They're all so lame. One is yeah. like a stubbed toe. Anyway, um I found that the bang for the buck for the upper body was the Navy SEAL. Um, I, I spent about, it was around the time when my physique kind of just morphed in front of me. I, I for whatever reason, just was really obsessed with Navy SEAL burpees, probably because they had a cool name and I just wanted to do them loads. It seemed like that was what was happening on YouTube. Yeah. So I was just doing them. And and that was when my, my upper body morphed. And then I told you about this video where Iron Wolf says, hey, if you can do... 300 one pumps in 20 minutes then you're pretty fit by our standards um and so i started trying for that but then i thought hang on if we put a count on it's going to make it even harder on the cardio system um and it, it was so it was a little bit of kind of theorizing but it's also just a lot of putting things into practice i just found that the workouts that obliterated me were the six count workouts and the navy seal workouts and then the additional thing with the navy seal was my body just started going newton when i started doing this session i just couldn't believe what was happening to my upper body i'm putting out a video about this soon i don't yeah. think i've adequately stressed the the physique transformation that happened for me it was so yeah. it was so insane and yeah like like to the point that my dad said you look like a freak what's wrong with you people around me were really like astonished i looked so different and and i can only attribute that to the navy seal yeah um, yeah yeah so that's a part of it how much of an impact though did your diet have on your physique? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Definitely had a definitely had a an impact. As we talked about in my powerlifting days, I was eating like shit. Um, I was eating five thousand six hundred thousand calories a day. The point was I was trying to pick up weight. Um, and a funny thing happened to me. I, I stopped powerlifting um, in the kind of very technical periodized massive diet kind of way two hours in the gym each time i stopped that in january of 2020 uh where my daughter was coming in march 
And yeah. I thought, I really want to cut now. I really want to stop. I, I want to lose actually the success weight. I don't feel good. Um, and so I went intense with fasting, um, eating way, 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 way less, going to the gym and doing like 25 minute kind of hit cardio style things with some weighted pull-ups thrown in. And I didn't lose a pound for between January and when my daughter was born. And then I got on the scales about a week after my daughter was born. And I was something like 18 pounds or some crazy number of pounds um, lighter. I, I joked that with my wife that I was having like a sympathy pregnancy um, <laughs> because weight suddenly fell off. And then somehow I was able to just um, continue eating a smaller amount of food, not really making any switches in terms of what I ate, but just eating less. Um, and it carried on falling off. And then the burpee training came along and all of a sudden my physique just looked completely unlike it's ever looked. So how, how did you develop your nutritional approach? Where did you get your ideas from? Where were you, where was the sources you were gaining your information from? Yeah. Um, I listened to one podcast. So I, I don't get stuck in, I don't like getting stuck in rabbit holes with, with this stuff. Um, I like to find something that works. I try it out. If it works, I do it. That's how it happened with fasting. I listened yeah. to one YouTube video where the guy was talking about the benefits for your testosterone levels, lowering cortisol, um, making making it basically impossible to get diabetes and so on. I thought, okay, I'll try it. I was injured at that time. Um, this is way back in the powerlifting days. Who, who was this? Oh, man. You know, I thought... One of these doctors who's actually a chiropractor. <laughs> uh, was it Jason Fong at all? No, Dr. Don Clum, maybe, I want to say. Right, right, right. Um, a great explainer. And yeah. and anyway, it explained it to me in a way that made sense to me. It made sense to my parents. I got them doing it. Um, and that just worked. And I did lose a bit of weight doing that. Um, I wasn't looking to lose weight. I just lost some. Um, but then in terms of the macros and what I was eating, it was very much, um, you know, kind of traditional very high protein. Um, and then um, I listened to a gastroenterologist called Will Bolsevich. He's a uh, yeah, gut health doctor, an actual doctor um, yeah. on the Rich Roll podcast. And it really blew me away. I, I was hearing stuff that I'd never heard before, where he's talking about the importance of promoting gut health and focusing on Gut health is the key to metabolic health is the key to it doesn't matter what you put in if the system's not processing it properly. Yeah. And and that appealed to me because it was like you can train, eating becomes training. You're like training. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at that actually. That's cool. Yeah. And so I love I love that sense that I'm training my gut with with what I eat. And so, you know, his his claim, and he sounded pretty legit, was that um the single best predictor of um gut health wasn't which specific diet you follow, but the diversity of plant sources in your diet. So you don't, you can eat as much meat as you want if, if you want to do that. But if you are getting fiber into your diet from a, a multitude of different plant sources, um, he said, ideally 30 a week, um, all of the kind of measures of gut health are going to be really, really good. And so I thought, okay, I'll just try it. I'll just buy more kale and legumes and just give it a try. And, and it worked. It just worked really well. More energy. Um, seeing that I got into better shape. Yeah. And, and and I guess the only other thing I listened to at that time, because I got into like a sort of vegan rabbit hole, was um, Simon Hill. 
uh, Simon Hill's podcast. He's a weightlifting vegan guy. And he had an interview with a doctor who was talking about what the evidence actually shows about protein and how much you really need and where the line is after which it becomes kind of diminishing marginal returns. Yeah. More. And I, I'd just been eating so much more than I needed. And so it was after listening to that podcast that I went down from a kind of daily intake of about 150 grams way down to 90. Yeah. And again, that didn't seem to have any effect on my physique. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to swing that way myself over the last year or two, thinking that protein's overstated. Did you say there that you had to eat thirty different plant sources a week? Yeah, yeah. But how how do you manage that, Max? I, I don't usually hit thirty. I definitely hit twenty though. Um, it's um, bearing in mind that you know plant plant based can can include. Uh, Oats, it can include rice. I'm, I'm counting all of that stuff as... Right, okay, okay. I, th- I thought you meant 30 different plants. No, 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 no. no, no I'm no, thinking no. Sainsbury's having to get 30 different fucking yeah, yeah, veg. Yeah. How am I going to pull that one off? Um, so, so how, like, so what foods are favourable for gut health? What ones are at the top of the tree? Top of the tree. Um, all your green vegetables are fantastic. Broccoli, particularly so. Kale's great. Um, although this guy, what Will says, don't obsess over superfoods. It's better to eat variety. So kale's great. Yeah. All the, berries. Berries are incredible. You get a very low insulin response from the berries, and they've got unbelievably high fiber content. So blueberries, especially wild blueberries and blackberries and raspberries, if you can get them into your smoothie every day, and if that's the only change you make in your diet, huge, huge benefit for your gut yeah. health. One portion of blueberries gets you as much fiber as the average um, American eats in a day, yeah. just one portion. And so that's, that's a huge down payment for your gut health. Yeah. Just get that into your smoothie every day. Do you drink smoothies, Max? I do. Yeah. Most of the time, that's how I break the fast these days. Yeah. I don't agree with smoothies because I don't see the point in drinking food. <laughs> well, I think it's important to distinguish between juice and smoothie. Yeah. Because it takes out all of the pulp and, and the fiber Whereas a smoothie keeps it all in, it just does a bit of the chewing for you. Smoothies are great. Juices, juices are bad. Yeah, but like chewing is part of the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, and if the body's all one system, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. surely like chewing is integral. And if you take away the chewing aspect, then it, are you really getting all the nutrients? Are you really getting all the yeah benefits? Yeah, no, I, I hear you, and and I definitely wouldn't recommend living off off them. But for me, like about three hundred of my daily calories are coming from a smoothie, and I think that's fine. And also, um, these things have got so much kale and spinach in them that they end up being you have to do a bit of chewing. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's better than nothing. I get that, but it's just the idea of having to like drink food. It, it, it just like the same way like you have to buy into fasting. Like, I mean, I like fast. I don't fast. I used to fast, but I don't do it anymore. But it makes perfect sense to me, fasting. And you have to buy into the the process for it to work. So that's why smoothies wouldn't work for me, because I don't buy into it. Right, right. right. Whereas you're obviously the opposite. Yeah, it does. I, I was interesting listening to neuroscientists talking about this, where the idea of like, Maybe in the end, just as long as you believe in what you're doing, it'll be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Do you know, I actually tried chickpeas for the first time the other day. What did you think? I, I actually thought of you when I was uh, making them in my air fryer. Uh, I, they were okay. They were quite nutty. Yeah. I would have probably looked at them more as a snack, like popcorn, mm -hmm. as opposed to forming a part of my meal. When I come to Scotland to visit you, I'm making you one of my chickpea curries. You're going to love it. <laughs> a chickpea. <laughs> You're going to oh. love it, mate. And, and so are your kids. It's great. I, I'm just getting visions of some like vegan student flat and like <laughs> knotting not them. <laughs> they're, they're making their eighth chickpea curry of the week. <laughs> so, so, right. What did you have to omit? from the Busy Dad training programme as you started working your way through the burpees and why did you omit them? Like in terms of burpee variations? Burpees like five pumps, bodybuilders. Yeah, okay, good. Why did I... Like you said you were doing five pumps. Yeah. So obviously yeah. you're, you're theorising, you're creating a system. Yeah. And you're thinking five pump is not part of the Busy Dad programme. Why? Yeah. I felt with five pumps, um, like the ceiling on how much high quality volume I could build in the 20 minutes was lower because yes. I felt like my upper body would just give out. So I got to, I think I got to 80 in 20 minutes and I, I just didn't see how I was going to put on more than one or two extra reps on that. Whereas the Navy SEAL, the progress was, it felt like exponential. And so it's more exciting. Yeah. Um, and then also the workouts just felt so much more intense on the, the from the navy seals i felt like the five pumps i barely broke a sweat it's just i couldn't do anymore um whereas with the navy seals i was able to just like my whole upper body was screaming but i could keep pushing you can always do another one um and, and you know your form might break at the end but it's you've got to work damn hard to fail yeah. on a navy seal burpee whereas the five pumps it would happen um yeah. and then so so in terms of the upper body definition building the torso thing um Partly through personal experience and partly just through thinking it through, I figured Navy SEALs, there's some strange juju in this movement. This is the one I need to go for. I, we've talked about this before. I think something about the mountain climber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around at the top. There's just something special going on there because my rear delts were coming out. My traps were even coming out. I was feeling it in my lats. It was getting none of that stimulus from the five pumps. Yeah. And then um, for a while, I was running the... Uh, you know, the bodybuilder, it kind of doesn't know what it wants to be. It, it, is it like a uh, a cardio movement, a primarily cardio movement, like a one pump or a six count or a four pump, four, four count? Or is it more like a competitor to the Navy SEAL? And right. it seems to me it can't really compete with either. Right, okay, right. So I'm going to push back on this, right? But no, no, continue, because that, that, you, this, this, this is going to get interesting. Yeah. So my feeling was um, if I wanted to... 50% of the time be putting the emphasis of my training on getting fit for the first time in my life. And if I wanted the other 50% of my time to put the emphasis on getting a six pack yeah. and getting, you know, my pecs looking good, this was the right way of, uh, of dividing things. Right. <laughs> the, the old pecs. I love it, Max. Yeah, I love it. You've got an admirable set of pecs, Max. It cannot be denied. Thank you, sir. Right. Okay. So, did did you see the video that I released regarding the experiment I conducted with what burpees burn the most calories? No. 
Right. Well, I, I, I thought you would have seen that actually. Right. So I made a video where I did an experiment with okay. five different burpees. Right. And I had a set of controls. The controls. I'm not a scientist, right? Yeah, like, so yeah. I, had, I had to make some sort of rudimentary controls to make sure that there was a. It was everything was an, on an even keel. Yeah. And the controls that I set were that the burpees had to have the same amount of push-ups. Okay. So, for example, we did it in a every minute on the minute format for ten minutes. Yeah. And that meant that I would do, I think it was four Navy SEALs. Then that would go with 12 one pumps because there's 12 push-ups in each. And I would do six two pumps, six kick-out burpees, and six two-pump bodybuilder burpees. Okay. And my findings were quite interesting. Oh man, now, this is so interesting. Please tell me. Right. So, so, so this, this is why, like, I believe you've created a great system upon reflection, particularly with this experiment I did. The, the, the buppy that burnt the least calories was the Navy SEAL. And the buppy that burnt the most calories was the one pump. Mm. Now, I tried to do 12 six counts, but the style of six count I do means that performing it every minute on a minute meant I was coming up to the 50 second mark, whereas the other five, I was getting around about 30, 40 seconds. So there was that consistency, whereas a slow methodical six count was just, it was going too hard. So I had to take that one out. So that, that proved, proved, proved to me that the, the Busy Dad training system has the, the blend right because you have a combination of a buppy which doesn't burn as many calories, mm -hmm. but it's going to build your strength. Yeah. So you've got the strength building aspect of yeah. the, the Busy Dad program, which is going to complement the, the, the six count on the one pump. But the one pump burnt the most calories. Now, a one pump... Six count, they kind of blend into each Especially other. Especially with the way that I perform them, where I'm going for speed rather than the time and attention approach. Yeah, yeah. However, to, to push back on what you said regarding the bodybuilder, yeah. now I am of a similar uh, mindset with regards to yourself with the, the bodybuilder. It's just a puppy that's never really agreed with me. Yep. It's the leg movement. It, it doesn't feel right to me. So I've kind of just left it to the side. However, the two-pump bodybuilder almost came close to the one-pump. <laughs> and not only that, but my shoulders were burning yeah. at the end of yeah. every set on the minute. Yeah. And it led me to believe that the bodybuilder is actually probably one of these superior buppies in that respect because you are getting the perfect blend. Yeah. You're yeah. getting that hint of strength, but you're also getting that calorie burning effect as well. Interesting. Do, do you, I mean, do you think that it would be unfair to compare six body, say six two pump bodybuilders to six straight two pumps? Because every rep, you've got that additional. Right. Okay. So that, that's a, that. 
the two pump I also performed, and that was just around about the same calorie burning effect as the Navy SEAL. And that was quite illuminating to me because I thought to myself, what is the point of the two pump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kick out burpee was close to the the eight count bodybuilder. The two of them was probably about 10 calories off, 15 calories off of each other. But it was bringing that leg drive into the burpee, which ramps up. It's just, I think that in, I think that it would be better to compare six two pump bodybuilders with something like 15 um, one pumps because you've got all that extra activity from yeah. the coming up that you're not taking into account. And then I think if you if you rigged it up differently to compensate for that extra bit, that yeah. kind of, then I suspect that the six count would still be far superior for calorie burning. But it's yeah, yeah. about the shoulders. Yeah, the sex the sex count is superior. Like, there's no denying it. But I, need but, to, I need to look that what you just said. I <laughs> no, but well, I'm talking. I'm not talking about for calorie burning. I'm talking about converging between those two. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about those converging modalities, yeah. the strength and the the, the cardio burning effect, the, the heart. But, the but, heart. Then, but my my comeback would be what? So maybe the the choice yeah. would be I could train that four days a week. Yeah, I could just train that the whole time. Instead, I choose to divide my energy between workouts that are very strength-focused and very cardio-focused. Whereas, with the with the, you're kind of you're doing both quite well. But why 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 not do each one extremely well by training them in isolation? Yeah, but but this is this is where I think that the another thing where the busy dad system is. It, there's almost an accidental aspect of the Busy Dad program in the sense that you don't have, like, you've never given anybody a set format to follow to achieve the the graduation level. What you've actually did is you've potentially, and I don't really see it much because I think that people look to you for guidance and because you have that Spartan mentality that no one wants to deviate from it, but there needs to be people out there who are going to have to start experimenting with the busy dad training protocol and bringing their own variety and injecting it into the framework to see mm. if it has Tested. a carryover effect. Yeah, well, I recently... So the, the carryover thing, uh, I, I would like to test out my one rep maxes in my left yeah. second. It's been... It, it, they'll be way low because it's been more than three years since I've oh, wait, 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 wait. Gym. but um, I'm really interested to see what the carryover effect is I put out a video recently on the, the no 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 I think you've missed I don't mean carryover into lifting or anything I'm talking about like for example there's, there's going to be a guy out there who's going to say wait I'm going to do 20 minute busy dad style but I'm going to do 2 pump 8 count body, 10 count bodybuilders and I'm going to see if that is actually going to have an impact on my 6 count numbers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. I'm talking about fostering that degree of experimentation using the busy dad framework, but not sticking to it rigidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a very interesting experiment for practitioners to run. They take a month off the busy dad program, but they use the same principles as the busy dad program with different movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they see, I, you know, I, I would, I would hereby give my permission to the busy dad army to go and try that. 
Um, no, but the, that's what's going to ultimately make a better. Because, like, I, th- I made I made a comment to someone uh, who I think there was someone that was that was speaking quite disparagingly, and I made the analogy that the busy dad system is like an open source code mm. in which people can contribute to it and ultimately create a better product. Mm. But at the same time, because that you have you've developed that rigid rigidity yes. to the program that I think that some people may be too reluctant to try and bring in that degree of experimentation. And- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, I look, occasionally I get pangs of wanting to, but you know, that's how it is in the monogamous relationship. You just, uh, you got to stay focused on. on what's <laughs> and so um, I don't know for me, I don't care if there's some like 0.05% of marginal utility that I could get if I added, yeah, you yeah. know, an extra eight count bodybuilder every fifth week. Yeah. I just want to find a training format that works and do it for the rest of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's the busy dad program. And I think that like if people are out there and and they kind of the way I put it is like if you want to answer the exercise question, just yeah. do what I just just do the busy dad program because it works. Yeah. It works yeah. really well. Um, it's really interesting theoretically to run all these experiments but for me um, I'm just married to these movements and that there is yeah I I think it would be good to to see people getting involved in that respect I think it would uh, it would strengthen the community and bring a different dimension into play you know what's been um, sorry Lee I just wanted to say what's been such a source of joy for me um, is I'm getting members of the Busy Dead Army now Sending me photos of them wearing their busy dad T-shirt of the various different levels, and um, these are names that have been commenting on the channel for years, and there they are in the flesh. These guys, to a man, in great shape, modelling the busy dad program, representing that. That for me, we're starting to build a community that way. We're going to put a gallery on the website of the yeah. busy dad army. That yeah. makes me so happy when I get those kinds of uh, emails. Yeah, they're, they're very loyal. The busy dad army. I think. I think it went one of the videos I made. I actually like angered the busy dad community, and, and I had a bit of blowback. <laughs> I was. I was in fear for my life at that point. You know, I, well, I didn't I, I know. Have, I think. Um, I think that you're treated as a, an an honorary an honorary doctorate. You, you know, in, in in the community, you're definitely revered. I, I, I was this away from phoning you up, Max, and telling like you're going to have to tell these guys to back off. <laughs> like, they're on my case, right? So, Max, what what are mistakes people make with the Busy Dad program? What's the the most common mistake you see people making? It might be a mistake that I'm propagating, which is um, attacking the workouts too much, especially early. Um, you know, what I talk about to people is when you're when you're beginning with the busy dad program, it's really important that you set a very modest baseline for yourself to work from. Because if you, if, the, if in those testing workouts and in those first couple of weeks, you're just balls to the wall every session, not only will you probably get injured because you won't have built the proper burpee form yet, yeah. but you'll also give yourself very little room to grow. And what happens is people run into the plateau too quickly because the plateau is coming for you and it's going to be hard. You're going to have months not being able to get over what, the plateau and you're gonna to have to dig deep and then you'll get over it and in the process yeah. you will transform yourself like in a radical way but to have the inner strength 
to get through the plateau, you need to be in love with this form of training. And you're not going to fall in love with it if three weeks in, um, you know, either you're getting injured or you're already hitting against the plateau. I need people riding that wave of beginner gains for the first three months. Yeah. And, and yeah. so going low and slow at the beginning is really important. A lot of the yeah. people who don't, a lot of people fall off about three months in, which I yeah. guess is common. Uh, yeah. But they fall off when they first encounter their plateau. Whereas there are others, um, I think it was someone like Paul from Oregon. Uh, he's got a channel, um, early biz, Busy Dad program follower, who they love the plateau. They study the plateau. They live there until they've overcome it. And they're unbelievably proud of themselves after they do it. Um, but the mistake people make is is not equipping themselves to to live in that space because they haven't they've gone too quick early on. Yeah, I think I think the plateau is the the the, the, the part where you start to learn things. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you're learning things when you're constantly improving. Yeah, and it's, yeah, a lot of the mistakes you're making are being masked by success. Mm -hmm. Right, that's yeah. a really good point. You, you you don't have to do any soul searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A plateau is when you have to take a step back and evaluate and start to create strategies. And the other thing I like to think about with a plateau is I think until I hit a plateau, really, I'm just within my current physical capacity. Like, yeah. you know, if I'm just going slow, probably a month ago, I could have done this workout if you put a gun to my head. It's just what I'm capable of. But when I hit up against the edge of what I can do, what's on the other side? It's so yeah. exciting to find out. You're gonna you're gonna expand your physical capacity. You're gonna be able to do things you couldn't do before. Become yeah, a new yeah. human being. Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. So we need to be excited when we hit plateaus. But a lot of people they get demoralized. Yeah, that three month period is like fertile new begins territory. And after that three months period, that plateau is going to hit. And that's what separates the the, the wheat from the chaff in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Because people, they, they want to continually experience newbie gains. Yeah, 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 exactly. I understand. Um, but learning to take satisfaction in a yeah. workout that you've, like, for me, every time I hit 306 counts in 20 minutes, and it's been a while now, but I've probably hit that workout about 30 times in my life, every single time. I, I take such satisfaction in doing that, even though I've done it many times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think people need to look at you for inspiration in that respect because your sessions are they're methodical in the sense that you have them planned out meticulously with regards to how many you're looking to perform within a certain amount of minutes and that may begin to taper off at a certain mark. Whereas when people are going through that three-month period and they are just getting fitter by the very virtue of performing a more demanding exercise. They are not creating pacing strategies. Mm -hmm. They're not creating EMOM strategies to yeah. carry them through the darkness. Yeah. And that's something that you need to accept prior to starting the journey mm -hmm. because it's going to turn around and bite you in the backside at some point. Another question I've got is, what are common injuries that you hear about people performing boppies or busy dad training? Yeah. Okay. So I would say there are two. Um, one is people um, have pain in their wrists. I hear that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you hear that one as well? Yeah, I get I've, I've always, yeah. I always wear a wristbands. Always wear a wristbands. Right, right. I, 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 
always remember like Joe Hattai getting a sly dig in at me because I wore wristbands. Because you know what Joe was like? Joe was hard. Like Joe's just a badass. It's like, but Joe made a disparaging comment about me wearing wristbands. However, it failed to have any impact because I know how integral the wrist is. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the the amount of pressure the wrist goes through during a demanding burpee session, and we're talking about a joint that's tiny, it's fragile. And if you experience wrist pain, it's 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 going to put a dampener in the whole experience and possibly put you off as well. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you wear a protective element to ensure longevity? I don't know. Maybe his theory was that you can kind of strengthen the joints through, you know, it's, it's but, but not Joe, like anyone. I don't see why. Like I know you don't no. wear wristbands, and that's, I mean, I'm not going to criticize someone for not wearing wristbands, but yeah. like you need to like. I, I, I think that everyone should wear wristbands if they want to make this a long-term endeavor. That's interesting. That's I mean, certainly at the first sign of any pain, I would definitely, definitely use that. Um, I hadn't thought about it, though, as a kind of preventative measure. So it's something I'll think about. Um, I, I, I just don't know the science here. I wonder if there's some evidence that it actually gets stronger rather than wearing away through the exposure. I don't know. Well, it probably will get stronger, but it's going to go through repetitive strain as well. I mean, you can get stronger, but you could be like squats are going to make you stronger, but continuous barbell squats is going to be like it's going to be messing up your spine in the long run. So, yeah, Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I can say so far through, but we're the thing is we're we're new to this game. Like we're only three and a half years in. Yeah, Uh, and so I don't know. Three and a half years in. I've never had um, a wrist injury except one induced by hitting a heavy bag too hard. Um, um, or with poor technique, probably. Um, but I hear that. Um, I found that if I do a long workout, like every birthday I'll do a 1,006 counts or 580 seals, my elbows feel a bit funny. Yeah. But I don't hear that very often with the busy dad because I just think the volume is lower. Um, I don't hear about knee injuries with the busy dad program because, again, you only tra- how many burpees can you do in 80 minutes? You're only yeah. training, you, the volume is low comparatively. And so, again, when I do a 1,006 counts, my knees are feeling it the next day, but never with the people. Yeah. Yeah, but the yeah. other thing that I do hear about is lower back issues. Um, and, and, that, and that, I think, I can understand why. I think the burpee just is quite hard on the lower back, especially when you're jumping back in. Um, and for most people, I think that that's a form issue, that they're letting their lower back slump a bit and putting yeah. it in. There are people I've known who have histories of lower back problems where they just find burpees flare it up. And the sad truth for those guys is I don't think you should train burpees. I think if yeah. you have a history of lower back problems, try it out. But if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't going to start feeling right. I've got a, a friend who's super strong. He performs the reps with perfect technique. And every time he's out for three days afterwards. So yeah. that's be doing it. But if you've never had back issues and you're feeling a bit of a twinge, it's probably because you're not, keeping your core tight enough in, in the movement. And so it's a yeah, yeah, the back one is uh, definitely one that always pops up in my comments. A gentleman actually spoke about one. I don't want to name the guy because I don't want me to take this the wrong way, but <clears throat> he was performing lots of burpees and he, I think he had to get surgery on his back. But I looked at one of his videos and I'm not saying his form was bad, but I'm just saying there was a degree of looseness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
when yep. he went in the plank position, I identified it immediately. There was a sag. The more, when, it, the more I think that 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 count when you set up the plank that makes or breaks your burpee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. that's the crucial. That's the if you put all of your focus on that bit of the rep, that's yeah. that's how you're going to have success. Yeah, yeah. You when you when you go down into that plank, like you need to be rigid. Yeah. Like yeah. you need to get that squat correct when you go down. You need to try to minimize uh, spinal flexion. Mm-hmm. And then when you kick those legs back, you need to be rigid for a split second. Yes. Yep. However, it was an interesting point when you talked about the transition when you come back in, and that's a hard one. That's a very difficult one to get mm-hmm. right because you cannot avoid spinal flexion. Exactly. And that's one I'm constantly working on. That's the, the one aspect of the buppy that I am forever mindful of. Every other part of the buppy it's, you're not even. It's like driving. You don't even realize how you get to the destination. Yeah. But the transition from the four count into five. That is the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Have you got any? Because I've got a lot of people who have issues, um, jumping all the way back in. Yeah. Like especially older guys, they can't. They're having. They're jumping and and they're getting about halfway, and they have to kind of walk forward before they stand. Yeah, and they're asking yeah. if there are any cues I can give them to help them. Um, I'm thinking it might be an issue with not loading enough on the shoulders, um, so they can't get quite high. I, I, I don't know what the issue is. Have you thought about this? Yeah. Like I said, it's a Bermuda Triangle for me because I've actually made videos talking about that transition, and I felt that I had mastered it. Mm. But then I became mindful of spinal flexion, uh, spinal flexion, and it started to annoy me. So it's like once it's something I'm constantly trying to adjust. The things I pick up on are, I think that ultimately you should be compact when you're performing a burpee, and when you're making the transition from four to five, you should keep the feet locked in very close together. But that requires a degree of flexibility to perform that. I think that when people keep their legs wide open, yeah, yeah, you see that it happen. becomes unsteady. But at the same time, it's probably more conducive to having favourable sp- support for the spine. Mm-hmm. So well, it's a grey area, face kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a grey area in that respect. If you want to probably maintain that degree of safety, then maybe a wider stance is probably the best approach. But it's also one that's going to take that finesse mm-hmm. of the burpee and probably going to add a second or two yeah. on. Yeah. But that's, that's just Do you see any other kind of common form errors, either... I don't know, people uploading on YouTube or people who you see training in your in your life? <laughs> I don't like to be disparaging about people's boppies because I'm always happy that somebody's performing a yeah, boppie. But one thing that I do see is a lack of aggression going into the boppy. I feel that some people are too, there's, there's like a whimsical approach when yeah. they hit the, 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 the when they, they do the, the, the gut punch or the, the core strike or whatever you want to call it. It's yeah. very soft, like yeah. just a wee, a wee tap and they go down. And I'm always thinking to myself, you need to fucking attack that boppy. You need to attack. It needs to be every count needs to fucking ram home. Every single count. 
Whereas some people, it's like, it's, it's slow and it, there's a and I always look as if there's a degree of fear going into the ball. They're trying to minimise the pain. When you need to embrace, you you need to own the fucking boppy because if you're going to go into a boppy with that lack of aggression, then that boppy is going to own you. Yeah. We are here to tame the boppy. Yeah, and we will never tame the boppy because the boppy will always consume us. But we need to make a, a we need to make an effort. Yeah, yeah, to tame it because it's going to drive performance. I like it's it. going to it's, it's going to create that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's going to just, uh, you're fighting the boppy. It won't respect you if you don't fight it. Exactly. We're at war with them. We love boppies, but we're at war with them. It's like a marriage in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I think um, I've learned through my practice that it's very hard to strike a balance between that kind of assertive yeah. attitude and being rash, being arrogant. Yeah. And, and, what I love about burpees is every time I go into a session arrogant, they just smash me. I mean, yeah. they, they, they're so humbling. I think yeah. it's the most humbling movement I've ever done, like, by far. Yeah, it just yeah, yeah. you down. Um, and yeah. so you've got to go in aggressive for sure. But if you go in yeah. thinking this is going to be easy, but of course that's just another way of trying to hide from the pain. It's all yeah. about learning to go and meet the pain. Yeah. yeah. Not just yeah, accepting yeah. it, but seeking it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. One thing I've noticed about you is, is like you command your boppy. Like there's a confidence with your boppy, but you command that. You you know, you know how fast those counts have to be. You know, like you you know the split seconds between every count. You've got your unique style because I mean we probably don't see ITI with regards to how a six count should be performed. I prefer a slower approach. You go fast, but. You command your boppy, like it's it's intrinsic with your personality. If that sounds quite whimsical, the yeah. cadence is there, the, the technique is there. It never deviates. Oh, stop it! You're I'm desperate to train now. You've got me so excited. <laughs> Wait, um, listen, listen. Well, I'm going to have to wrap this up anyway, but I just wanted to get this in, Max, right? Because that you said something earlier, and I had to stop myself. <coughs> A man of your high intelligence, okay? PhD, right? Creator of the Busy Dad program, and you decide to walk past a fucking punch bag and punch it full force. <laughs> Sometimes the most intelligent people are also the most stupid. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that's certainly true of me. Um, I do some pretty odd, irrational things on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. Right. So, Max, before we shoot off, what's what's in the future? What's in the future plans? What's in the future plans? The thing I'm most excited about right now, the Busy Dad app. That is going to be available very soon. We're beta testing it right now. Um this program really, really calls out for an app because people want a way of monitoring their their progress. And 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 so what we're gonna what we have in the app is every session you enter in your six counts, that's gonna plug it into a history. You're gonna see your two-week moving average, you're gonna be able to look at your one-week view, three-month view, six-month view, one-year view. It's gonna um, there are tailor-made form check videos in the app, bunch of new content there. Um, but I'm really excited about giving practitioners the opportunity to deepen their relationship with the program through the app. Um, and the T-shirts are so exciting. I've been dreaming about having this 
belt system coded um, series of t-shirts for such a long time and just seeing people start to represent the Busy Dead program and their stage within it, that's really, really exciting. Uh, it, was, it was a great idea. Did you create that idea yourself or was it a commenter? No, that was that was mine from the start. It was always modelled on, um, I guess, yeah, I, I haven't talked about this enough. I took a lot of the training principles from powerlifting, but then my experience with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is yeah, where I got yeah. this belt idea from. Yeah, yeah. No, it's excellent, mate. It's excellent. It's obviously uh, it's obviously came from one of the finest minds in the Bopi community. <laughs> anyway, Max, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know that people will know where to find you, busydadtraining.com and his YouTube as well, which is a wealth of knowledge and information. But I will also link the T-shirts in the description as well, mate. And the Buppies for Beginner book as well, which yes. me and Max wrote, which has done quite well, actually. I'm really uh, glad. So, anyway, Max, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, you too, my friend. Speak soon. Speak soon.